Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 18 of Gateway to Cinema, the spin-off of the far more popular podcast Reboot Already Underway, the Alf's hit talk show, the main podcast's Alf. It was not a hit. Don't don't put hit in your title unless you're more assured of your quality. <laughs> I am, of course, your host, Aaron Hahn, joined as always by Jacob Lacey. Race some hell, Aaron, you know? That's, that's all I can think of for this one. <laughs> I don't know. You don't have a single quote from this movie? I mean... There's so many good There's ones. like one, but I need to ask what what is even meant by this quote before I'm going to just start throwing it around, you know? I don't want people to think well, well, certain things. Well, <laughs> um, I guess we'll talk about that a little bit, maybe. Yeah. Because uh, we are once again covering a film from the list of 100 movies I once made for Lacey to watch. Films that are interesting introductions to the larger world of cinema. And this week we definitely have an interesting film that once again many people would hesitate to call good. And even I am not like entirely, you know, big on this movie, but I think there is enough there that makes it a really interesting watch. Okay. I'm actually... I became a lot more favorable to it upon rewatch, so I guess I I don't know. Surprised we'll see. By that, honestly, uh, this seemed very Aaron Han when I was watching it. I'm like, oh yeah, this makes sense. Why this is on the list? <laughs> like this is an I, Aaron. I mean, movie. that was kind of um, yeah, that was kind of the thing though. It's like when I when I I suppose I'll announce the film. The film we're talking oh, about this yeah. week is Hellraiser. You read the title, you know. Didn't what you're get, actually about. get to the title, but <laughs> yeah. But I think one of the things that was interesting is when I was rewatching it for this podcast, I actually noticed like how similar a lot of it seemed to A Nightmare on Elm Street, which is one of my favorite films of all time, as I've frequently discussed on this podcast. So I just thought it was interesting. I was I was trying to figure out, no, like, why I like Nightmare on Elm Street so much, whereas I didn't like this one as much, even though I enjoy this movie. But at the same time, I think Nightmare on Elm Street is also a film that the first time I watched it, I was like, hey, this is pretty good, but there's a lot of flaws to it. And then every time I would rewatch it since then, I became more and more enamored by it. So maybe that's the same thing that's going to happen with this film. But uh, tell me a little bit of your thoughts on Hellraiser. Well, I usually like to to start off my thoughts uh, with like preconceived notions I had about the movie or anything that like I, I knew going in. Uh, I knew literally mm-hmm. nothing, except for that Pinhead was a character in this movie. So, I went in completely blind. I feel like that was the best way to do this. Um, because, <laughs> oh my god, everything is so strange. This movie just starts out on such a weird note. It continues to be on a weird note right until the end, where it's just like... Alright, that was weird. <laughs> like, I don't even know. Uh, so, yeah, I mean... That's that's all I can really say for it in that um, in that regard. Overall, I'd say that uh, I, I liked it. Um, mm-hmm. Although, like, little little behind the scenes for everyone, we usually record this on Sunday. So I watched this yesterday. This is today's Monday when we're recording this. So I watched this yesterday, and I was ready to come on here and be like, "Oh man, I really enjoyed this movie. Like, it was a lot of fun. It was really weird. It was creepy. It was." That perfect uh, balance between, like, slasher horror and, like, uh, supernatural horror. And, mm. and in just one day, I'm kind of like, yeah, it was all right. 
like, um, it was one of those things where it. Just I mean, that ha- that happens to me, so me all the time when I'll watch a movie and then as soon as I get done with it, really hyped up on it, and then yeah. you just let it linger for a while. That's why my like rankings are constantly shifting. Mm-hmm. If you like notice my lists, I'm always just going back like which one stuck with me. Yeah, and I don't think this is a movie that's going to stick with me too much. I think there were a lot of interesting ideas. I think that. Uh, there's a lot of stuff in it that works, but in the end, it's very much like, oh, that was a that was an all right movie, um, and now it's back to watching other movies that are that are way better or <laughs> do other things that were in this movie in a better way. So, overall, I liked it, but I think um, I don't know. May- maybe it'll be like uh, maybe one day it'll come back around and I'll be like, okay, yeah, no, you know what, I like that movie. But as for right now. I'm settling more on, like, eh, it was pretty all right. It had a lot of good things going for it. So, yeah. Why'd you put it on? Well, I mean, I suppose that's... Okay. (laughs) I suppose uh, you liking it kind of (laughs) is uh, better than I was anticipating. Mm Because as I mentioned at the end of last week's podcast, I totally thought this was going to be bottom of your list. I thought you were going to be like, (sighs) there's, like, so many plot holes. And, like, there's so many different directions. (laughs) I went in just, like, going, like, okay, let's just... Do it. Whatever you're going to do, do it. And I will say, once we get into the spoiler stuff, I'll talk a little bit more about it. But I thought the movie was heading in one direction. And that direction I really, Mm -hmm. really liked. I'm like, okay, this is awesome. And then they kind of ruin it a little bit by the end. Where I'm like, okay, this isn't what I was expecting. And I can admire where this is going. But I would have preferred if it had stayed the course of where I thought it was going. So... Well, we'll talk about that when we get to spoilers, but yeah. first a few thoughts on like why I put it on the list. And this is, you know, it's one of those films, obviously I'm a huge fan of horror films, and the the Hellraiser franchise is one of those big 80s horror franchises. So I'm always a particular fan of those. You know, I like seeing the directions horror franchises go in their endless you know unnecessary sequels and so in order to watch the sequels you have to start here but i think that this (laughs) film is also it has a lot of really interesting ideas Mm -hmm. in it i don't know if all of them work and i don't know if all of them work on screen as well as they do and kind of like lingering in the mind afterwards if that makes sense but you know just the whole the whole concept of the cenobites their whole culture the special effects here i think the performances especially doug bradley as pinhead phenomenal and it's just i i think it's a film that it 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 has a lot of interesting elements to it and as i mentioned that that was enough for me to like it the first time around the second time around rewatching it I actually loved it a lot more because I thought like the practical effects oh my God, were phenomenal. So they're so good. Especially some, well, well, there's some scenes we'll talk about later. Yeah. There's, uh, but the whole just atmosphere of this film is actually pretty great. Mm-hmm. So I think it's actually a really solid horror classic, and I would recommend it to people. Yeah, I'd definitely yeah, put guess. it up there as like a one of the. I mean, I haven't seen enough, but if. if when I think of 80s horror, this is like, it fits that bill in so many ways. I don't think it's the best example, but I think it's definitely one that's like, when people think of 80s horror, you always hear things like Pinhead. So, yeah, in that regard, highly mm-hmm. recommend. Um, yeah. 
yeah so as a, as like a piece of film history you know mm-hmm. as a, as a piece of pop culture i think yeah. it's worth a watch but also it's a really enjoyable horror film i concur so i want to get into spoilers yes yeah, so if you have not seen this film i would recommend i guess we would both recommend it yeah it's streaming on netflix so there you go check it out if you're interested and if you have seen it already or just don't care, we're going to talk about it a little in depth with spoilers. I, now, before we start out all of this, I want to get a little bit into the direction I thought it was going. And have you seen more than just sure. the first Hellraiser? Have you seen like the sequels? I've seen the whole franchise. Okay. So then you'll be able to answer a couple of these questions for me. Because where I, cause this movie starts, and it starts with Frank, and he does the puzzle box. And then he, you know, gets sucked into the weird dimension. And then uh, mm-hmm. Pinhead comes in and grabs the box. And then the room is clean. I'm like, okay. What I kind of got from that was that it was going to be sort of like a Tales from the Crypt type thing. Where, like, he's kind of like the Crypt Keeper. And he's like, these are the stories. And then when the zombie thing happens, I'm like, that's not what I was expecting at all. I'm like, okay, is this like a horror anthology series? Where, like, each movie is a different kind of thing? And then eventually it gets into the pinhead and all the things. I'm like, oh, God, this isn't as cool as I thought it was. <laughs> but, like, this is still all right. <laughs> but, it, but I guess my question is, are the sequels well, I mean, the same kind of idea? Or do they kind of um, try different well, genres within their own series? The sequels are interesting, and they go in a lot of different directions with the initial concept. Okay. Like, the, the, a couple of them, like, kind of continue in the same path as the first one. But I think some of the later ones, like, especially when the series went, started going out direct-to-DVD instead of theatrical, mm-hmm. a lot of the films, what happened was scripts were, they took scripts that were already written... And then they just retroactively added the Hellraiser elements into it. Okay. So a lot of it very much is just kind of like these Twilight Zone, Tales from the Crypt style mini like stories about like people getting into these dangerous situations or people having to pay for their crimes, stuff like that. And then Pinhead is just kind of, you know, this minor character who shows up and he's just like this devil figure who kind of like torments them but much of the movie is just like their own suffering on its own kind of thing okay see i really like so that it, idea. it almost cool. does become that kind of anthology series right. after a few sequels yeah because i thought that stuff was like a really like weird interesting idea like the the frank stuff and then when, what are they, Cenobites or something? Cenobites. Cenobites. Yes. When that stuff comes in, I'm like, all right, this is kind of goofy now. Like, this isn't as spooky as uh, as the original part was. Especially <laughs> guy who has, like, his eyes, like, sewn shut. I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, this is just a little, <laughs> this is a little too campy at this point. But, like, it, once you, like, realize that's where it's heading, I was a lot, it was a lot easier for me to be like, okay. I'll, I'll enjoy it for what it is. Um, but it, I like that mm-hmm. it also never completely throws the Frank stuff out until, like, the very end. But um, that's always still a prominent part. And that stuff was really interesting to me. Rocky? My cat yeah, I mean, trying to was... eat my fingers. <laughs> <laughs> that was definitely something that uh, surprised me the first time I watched this movie, is how much focus that the Frank storyline gets in this. Because, mm-hmm. you know, 
everyone knows this movie for Pinhead, and then you realize, oh, Pinhead's like in two scenes of this film. Yeah. That's okay. It's something. Yeah, I was cool with that, too. But I do agree that that, I think that's when the franchise works best, is actually Mm -hmm. when the Cenobites are kind of just like minor players in the larger story. So. Okay. Yeah, well, I might be interested in some of those later ones then, even if they are of really poor quality, just because, like, does it eventually drop off a cliff, I'm guessing? All right, quick run through of all the sequels. Okay, let's do okay, it. Okay, number two, basically it's building a lot on the first film. If you like the first film, second one you probably like. It has returning characters. It ha- it explores more of the plot threads from the first one. So, if you liked one, I would recommend two. Three okay. is really cheesy. It's like they went kind of overboard with the Hollywood thing, and they just get ridiculous. They uh, have, like, Cenobites who have, like, shoot, like, razor-bladed CDs out of, like, a CD player what? in his chest, and it's really just ridiculous and awful. Okay. Four is a very interesting film. It explores the origins of the puzzle box, but, like, it starts out in, like, the 18th century, then it has a modern-day part, and then it goes into the future where they're on a space station. <laughs> and it, it's one of the films that is listed as being directed by Alan Smithy, oh. which is the pseudonym used oh. when directors want their name taken off a project. Oh, so it's no. one of those films. And it also stars Adam Scott, I believe. No. So... Yes. What? Oh so, my god, uh, I need to watch That one this. might be worth a watch just because it's so bizarre. It's Alan Smithy, man. He's my favorite director. I love him. <laughs> oh yeah. Gotta check out all his films. Oh yeah. Fit okay, fifth sequel. The next film in the fran probably the second film in the franchise that I would highly recommend, actually. You know, like not fifth even as in like charm. a so bad it's good kind of capacity. <laughs> I actually yeah. really like the fifth one. It's more of like a horror detective story kind of thing hmm. and it was directed by scott derrickson from dr strange so huh. that was like his first film okay all right then you yeah, got six six and seven i don't even really remember them well <laughs> enough to uh give thoughts on them it's like at that point the franchise is kind of just like monotonous and whatever then they have one where it gets really weird it, like, takes place in the real world where Hellraiser is a popular film franchise and it does this whole, like, virtual reality thing and uh, it's horrible. Was this in, like, 2002? Then, that sounds like a 2002 Yeah, this movie. was, like, early 2000s yep, internet craze. Like <laughs> Ridiculous. Oh, God. Okay. And then the late, the late, the last film they've made, uh, what happened is they realized they were about to run out of the film rights to Hellraiser. And they realized this, like, up two weeks before oh, the deadline. Oh, no. <laughs> so they just had to rush this thing into production <laughs> and make it in just, like, the shortest time frame possible. And that's the only one where Doug Bradley didn't come back as Pinhead because he's just like, if you're just not going to spend any time on the script, I'm not going to do this film, so... It ended up not being the worst of the franchise, though, surprisingly. Yeah. It's bad, but... Sometimes a rush and then thing can be better than something that's been cooking for too long and has been in development hell, so I can understand that. Yeah. 
And then they're, they've made another one. They've filmed it all, but it hasn't been released yet. It's supposed to release this year. Is that the 10th <laughs> one? Then? I'm sorry, I lost, tra- I lost track. What, is that the 10th one that's coming out? I did too. I th- it's either the 9th or the 10th one. Okay. I think it's the 10th one. Well, let's talk about the, the first one. <laughs> right we'll now. talk about the first one. Those are just my, those, my quick thoughts on the whole franchise. So if you're looking to get into this franchise, sounds like you got a lot, a lot in store for you. Um, practical effects, fantastic in this movie. I'm a, I'm a bit of a sucker for practical effects. And, uh, these are some pretty good ones I found. Yeah, I think the scene that really impressed me, which I don't know if I was that impressed by it the first time around, maybe because I didn't notice how great it was, but the scene where Frank is, like, resurrecting and, like, his body starts reforming. Yeah. And, like, all the bones start coming together and all the muscles start coming together. That was just a really great scene. Ugh. And it reminded it reminded me a lot of, uh... Do you remember the Sandman origin scene from Spider-Man 3? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he just... He's forming... Yeah. It reminded me a lot of that scene, especially because the films have the same composer. Oh. So it was like... Yeah, That's what I wanted cool. to mention. Uh, this movie, of all of the gateway to cinemas might have my favorite soundtrack uh so far um it's i mean i that's a great pick yeah i don't uh, know if it'd be my favorite because we have like psycho on here and like you can't really top psycho's iconic score but okay yeah i mean like all right fine besides (laughs) psycho which is like who's going to ever vote against (laughs) psycho as the most iconic film score of all time like this one (laughs) i think just that Normally, I hate when opening credits are before movies, and like I get the point of them, and it's like, oh, like yeah, you want like opening credits with nothing going on behind them. It's like, oh yeah, you want to get into the feel of the world and stuff. And usually, I'm like, oh, okay, but you could just do that like with film. And it's like, oh, this one made sense. I'm listening to this music. Music's really good. Music is uh, it, it's setting the tone so well. Has that bit of air of mystery to it. I'm like, okay, I'm I'm down. And this is the first time I was ever like, good on you, opening credits for not being horrible. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I I fully agree that the score for this film is phenomenal, and I think it's one of those times where the score like really elevates the film mm-hmm. to a level that it wouldn't have been on without it, because it does make it like you said, like an, it has that air of mystery. It has that, like, gravitas to it. Like, it makes you feel like the Cenobites have, like, this weird overarching, like, culture and that it has, like, this power and they dominion over our earthly realm kind of thing. What? They got space powers. I'm assuming they have space powers. <laughs> they don't powers. have space powers in the fourth film. <laughs> well, we all know they have space powers. They're dressed like they're spacemen. What do you mean that's not spacesuits? What, what do you what do you mean those aren't space um, oh oh they're not space <laughs> oh no um i will say i how many have we covered like any horror movies on this list yet like i don't think we have for like straight horror i mean like mulholland drive you could kind of maybe count but not really yeah i mean mulholland drive donnie darko somewhat yeah. psycho obviously as we mentioned right but um, that's yeah all right I don't think we've covered any that could be that are like as modern, horror. especially like supernatural horror right, right, right. as this is. You um, know, because Psycho is still very much just 
regular guy stabbing people with a knife, whereas this one is just like <laughs> yeah. mystical puzzle box that opens a gateway to an alternate dimension. Right. I mean, I guess like, we oh, can kind of okay. count the fly, but that's more body horror, and that's more like gross-out kind of stuff. This is like actually like legitimately trying to scare you, and like, uh, ooh, be afraid to turn off the lights at night kind of thing. Um, Although still plenty of body horror, because you know, like oh, whenever yeah. like the oh. chains like dig into the flesh. Oh yeah, like, oh, oh, someone had to look you away wins. for a couple <laughs> scenes. <laughs> I'm like, yep, I don't need to see that. I'm good. Um, but I mean, like as, as far as uh, this is the first uh, movie on this list that really like got me like it made me jump and i was like oh okay that's that's uncomfortable and it was like such an innocuous thing but i just was not expecting it and i'm like you know if you're gonna do a jump scare do it like that and it's when she mm -hmm. uh god uh, knock off um winona rider i don't remember her character's <laughs> name i thought the same exact thing like for half the time when i was uh re-watching this film i was like she looks like someone she looks like someone and then like an hour into the film i was like it's when no I, I straight so up I thought, thought it was Winona Ryder until I looked it up after. And I'm like, oh, that's not Winona Ryder? Are you kidding? Like, I, I knew it. no one really famous was in this movie. But I was like, she looks exactly like someone famous. But yeah. uh, I don't know the actress's name, but the character's Kirsty. name is Kirsty. Yeah, that's right. And uh, it's when Kirsty's like, trying to avoid Frank when he's in her dad's skin, which is just so messed up on so many levels. Come to daddy. Oh, my <laughs> God. Like, oh. It's like, oh, I'm like, oh, why oh is he God. saying this all the time? Like, that's such a creepy line. And he's saying it so weird where it's like, he's saying it like it's going to be important later, and I don't know why I didn't pick up I on it. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that's it's, like, weird because it's, like, one of those weird character traits. You're like, why is his thing that he says come to daddy and it's basically <laughs> entirely because they wanted that moment later yeah. on <laughs> it's so dumb but i love it and it's when she's trying to escape him and she goes into that um part of the attic like across from the main one and there's all like the mm -hmm. jesus stuff in there and she opens the closet and she's like, looking and stuff and then all of a sudden like a jesus head comes flying out at her he's like whoa and i'm like yeah that got me like that just got me i don't know why but i was like okay um so thumbs up to you movie um he actually spooked me spooked me a little silly there and uh yeah uh there's just so many messed up things in this movie, man. And you know what? I don't feel bad for any character in this movie, except for Larry. Poor Larry, man. Larry's such a good guy. Larry's just like, hey, man, I love my wife. My old wife died. I love my daughter. Let me, let's have a good life. And then his wife cheats on him with his brother, and his brother wants him dead, and his daughter doesn't want to stay with him. And he's like, oh, poor Larry. <laughs> Like, oh, Larry. I'm sorry, buddy. And then he dies. It's like, he dies. Yep, he gets and then skinned. Dies. It's like, oh, my God. They have, this is such a, like a nihilistic movie. And they're like, yeah. No, nothing matters. This man dies. He has all everything in, that anyone could want in life. But he dies anyway. It's like, oh, my God. I mean, that's, that's part of what makes this film so great is that it's so, like, nihilistic like mm -hmm. that. And it's just like, yep. These people are going to die. It's like, good doesn't really matter. Everyone's just going to be tortured by the Cenobites <laughs> at some point. Oh, my God. It's so funny. Um, man, poor Larry. And then, uh, oh, okay. So what do you think was the most 
horrifying body horror part of this movie because I don't think it, what mine is, I think it will surprise you because it's not like the hooks and stuff, but it was when they're taking up the mattress and he digs his hand into that nail on the side. I'm like, nope, nope, that's too realistic. The other ones, it's like, okay, I know real chains aren't going to come flying and grabbing onto my, like, that's not going to happen in real life. But that nail just sticking out, I'm like, no. And it bleeds so much. Mm -hmm. There's so much blood. Like, what? Oh, oh. <laughs> I mean, I do think that's a great scene, like, especially the, the build-up to that, because you see, obviously, the shots with the nail and his hand approaching, you just, like, mm -hmm. know it's coming, but then it is, like, a lot more grotesque than you would expect from a simple, <laughs> like, nail-in-the-hand guy. You're just like, oh, okay, let's, uh, we're gonna go all out on the blood on this one, and I don't mind, because it's pretty awesome. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, my... <laughs> The biggest body horror aspect to me was those chains just like hooking into the flesh. So, like that's yeah, it's yeah, and the way it like pulls on it, and you can like the thing is that's so creepy about it is you can tell it's not real. Like you can tell something's <laughs> like just off about it. Like there's something like just barely not right, and that's why it's so scary. It's like oh, oh, that's is that what my skin really looks like? I hope not. They're, like, barely pulling on it, and, like, huge flaps of skin are coming off. It's like, oh, jeez. Um, this movie <laughs> creeped me out, if you couldn't tell. A lot of gross. A lot of gross. Body horror, yeah. probably my least favorite kind of horror. But when you do it right, oh, God, it spooks me. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> um, That's, uh, yeah. Well, we'll get to Saw later on in this yeah. list. So, uh, that's before, before it to that. like torture porn, though. So, <laughs> right? I mean, the, the first one's not nearly as like into the whole mutilating bodies as the good, later sequels. Good. good. I'm, I'm okay then. <laughs> um, but yeah. you have to watch all seven because you always need to watch the next one to, to fill in the plot holes of the previous film. You just, they just keep on creating more plot holes and keep on making more sequels to fill in the plot holes. I cannot holes. believe that series is still going. Um, <laughs> so, as far as practical effects go, I guess I kind of want to talk about things that bothered me or I wasn't a big fan of in the movie. Um, sure. yeah. Practical effects, are like almost all around the board, great. Um, they nail it. <laughs> Except for one. And one was, like, so, like, they didn't see this when they were editing? Did they not have time to do a reshoot of this? And it's when uh, Winona Ryder, because <laughs> she's in this movie. Not Winona Ryder. Is, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Winona Ryder. Um, she's in, like, the hospital, and she's walking down the uh, hallway. And then that weird scorpion monster or whatever, like, appears at the end. And then starts chasing mm -hmm. her. You can so clearly see the people behind it and, like, the cart that it's on that I'm like, oh, yep. you didn't even try and hide that, guys. That's not even good. And they draw so much attention to it. Like, did you guys not have time to do a reshoot? That's so obvious. <laughs> I mean, it could be one of those just, like, uh, the it, it had a low budget and probably had rushed production so maybe they didn't have time to reshoot it time yeah. or money but 
But at the same time, it could just be a goof, and you're just like, "Well, you gotta love it anyway." Yeah, it's no, just a it, it doesn't cheesy like, '80s or horror film. It doesn't like ruin the experience, but it certainly takes me out of that scene where it's like it's supposed to be this really tense, like, "Is she gonna make it down the hallway?" thing, and it's like, "Well, oh, hey guys, <laughs> see you back." And it's just, I think it's mostly just the way it's lit, where like if they didn't make it so bright, they you probably wouldn't be able to see it. But for some reason, they wanted to, like, blow out that hallway. They're like, all right, no, this, this is a really scary scene. There's going to be a lot of tension. Let's make it as bright as possible. Horror movies really work in the light. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then that whole, I mean, the Winona stuff. Winona. Now I'm just calling her Winona. <laughs> uh, what's her name? Kirsten. The whole Kirsty Kirstie. stuff. Kirstie? Kirstie. 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 Her stuff, I wasn't, like, a huge fan of. Um, like, creepy old hobo dragon man. I'm like, okay. Well, I don't know. I totally forgot about the, the creepy old hobo man, though. Like, the, the ending of this film, I completely forgot what the ending of this movie was. <laughs> so when the so homeless weird. man, like, steps into the fire, I'm like, oh. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I don't remember where this is headed. And then he turns into a dragon. I was like... I really don't remember that this is how this movie ended. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was a little confused at that point. I'm assuming they never explain it if you didn't even remember that happens. So uh, no, not really. Oh, good. I mean, the the obvious conclusion that he's just like uh, a Cenobite himself, or like a disciple of the Cenobites, who's tasked with protecting the cube and passing on to the next victim. But right. at the same time, it's just they don't really explain that ever. Also, like, but I, I agree that the the Kirsty stuff, the Kirsty stuff doesn't really work mm. that great. But I think they do. I think the thing is like they tried to do enough to make you care about her as a character while also needing to keep her away from the main plot. Just you know because they couldn't really involve her yet. She couldn't really so be it's in just the same like, house, or else like mm-hmm. they wouldn't make sense for the end of the movie. Um, but uh, I think. Another reason is because it was an 80s horror movie and they needed a young lead at, at one point. Because when the movie starts, I'm like, these guys are, these people are kind of old. I'm like, this is very, like, not normal horror movie. Like, there's always, like, a kid or, like, a teenager, 20 <laughs> something. But these guys are, like, in their 40s, maybe, like, late 40s or early 50s, maybe. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm like, okay, that's really interesting. And then they just couldn't quite shake the idea that we kind of need like a 20 something in there to kind of like uh, there we go and uh 20 something's not even the one that who has gratuitous nudity of them so i'm like well <laughs> i guess good on you their movie but uh you know we get this we get to see a little bit more of frank than i was uh expecting in this movie too i'm like hey, hey yes, frank you, yeah you do <laughs> oh, am i right aaron Um, but, you know, like, that obviously goes along with the whole, you know, con- the conflation of, like, the, the pain and pleasure. Mm-hmm. That's the whole Cenobite stick that you just, you need those sexual encounters. And so they probably made the cast a little older for that purposes. Mm. So it wasn't super creepy, like the end of the movie is, where you kind of feel like Frank's going to do right. uh, bad things to Winona, And you're like, um, excuse 
I don't think we should Im- be implying this <laughs> in this movie. Oh, they're uh, implying it. <laughs> he, he does look like her dad. <laughs> so I just want to point that out to the filmmakers. Yeah, it, well, it's it's her uncle That's her right. dad's skin. I always forget skin. it is her uncle. <laughs> it's so many levels of creepy. <laughs> yeah, it's so wrong. Um, but that's totally what they're implying. But it doesn't happen, so I'm, I'm all right with it. You know, bad guy gets what he deserves in the end. So... And then, right, now this apart. is the quote I wanted to say, and I was like, I don't know why he says this, and I don't understand what the implication is. Oh, and he's being torn here. apart, and he says, yes! Jesus, what? <laughs> what is that scene? Wait, is there any explanation for why he says that? No. It's so, I, it's so creepy, though. Like, it nails it, I, if that's what they were going for. I, it's horrifying. I think I read on, like, the IMDb trivia or something that it was originally a different line, and it was the actor who was like, hey, I should say Jesus wept instead, or something. It's... Oh, I think he originally said, like, F you, you know, but they changed it to... Oh, God, it's so much creepy. Jesus wept. It's so And creepy. yeah, I agree, it's... It just, like, adds to the whole kind of, like, weird twisting of the religious iconography and all that into this. I mean, I it guess like, it makes sense for I, his yeah, It's one of those even. things where you're like, it sounds profound, but I don't think it is, <laughs> but <laughs> it sounds profound enough. I mean, like, it's, it's one provocative. of those things, it is, I, it, it feels almost like a full circle for his character because we see the house is covered in, like, uh, Catholic, uh, imagery i suppose like where there's rosaries mm-hmm. and virgin marys all over the place and uh and then it just ends with jesus wept and you're like um what <laughs> like, okay dude whatever you whatever you say dude all right um and then when that whole ending i i would have preferred it if it just ends with him being ripped apart and then the movie ends i don't like the whole mm-hmm. final encounter with the cenobites where it's like, oh, let me put this box together, and it will just randomly choose who it wants to kill at that. If I point the box at you while I'm putting it back together, you you die. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I yeah, I'm I'm actually with you there. That I think the the ending for this film is pretty weak. It's it's just like so hokey, just the solving the puzzle box, and then just the really terrible special effect lightning like shoots <laughs> out it, and traces the lines on the center points. Like. Did we need this? No. This movie wouldn't work so well without this. Yeah. Especially since it doesn't really make any sense. You're just like, oh, you can just solve the puzzle box and the Cenobites have to go back. Like, yeah. that's not something that was established or is ever picked up on again. It's like, okay. It also adds to, like, and the I, fact that... Oh, sorry, continue. Oh, I was just going to say, I think that's, like, it. especially the ending was one of the reasons why... I, didn't like wholeheartedly embrace this film on my first mm-hmm. watch second time around i'm like it's still a weak ending but yeah i is. can live with it um and it enforces the idea that like the the cenobites aren't like super antagonizing villains like they're not like super like oh like i'm scared of them i was more scared of frank throughout this movie than i was of the cenobites it's because oh i uh, just don't touch the box just don't solve the puzzle <laughs> box there you go you're free you don't have well, to... I mean, that's kind of supposed to be the point, is that the Cenobites aren't really the antagonist. They're just kind right. of like almost a neutral force. It's just like, if you decide to open this puzzle box, then we're going to come for you, and we're going to show you what we do. But if you like don't touch it, then we're out of it. We don't care about you. It's yeah, like we I only guess. exist to torture the people who seek out our 
puzzle box. And, like, I like that idea, but I do feel like, like we said, they kind of undermine that sentiment by the end with that finale, which... I, yeah. I think yeah. the original novella that it's based on ends at that part where uh, they honor their bargain, they take Frank, they leave her alone, <laughs> and I don't know why they didn't just stick with the... Because then, if they would have done that, I'm like, oh, it totally is, like... Uh, Tales from the Crypt. Like, I don't know why I just really loved that idea of it being like, he, all right, he gets, he opens the box, he gets sucked in, he grabs the box, and then the movie actually starts. I'm like, okay, weird. Kind of feels like he's like the storyteller. He's like, hey, here's a, here's an unsolved tale of a man. Is, is that your open head impression? Oh, uh, is that my who? No, is that your no. Head I'm impression? trying to do, uh, what's his name from Unsolved Mysteries? <laughs> a man <laughs> and a box. He opens the box, gets ripped apart by chains. What happened? Maybe you can help me solve this unsolved mystery. If you have any information, <laughs> call on the police. I don't know. Robert Stack, that's who I'm thinking of. Um, yeah, so. I mean, sure, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Is that all we got to say about uh, Hellraiser? I mean, sure. I think that's enough there's anything else you wanted to i mean i'm sure we could i mean we've been talking for a little while already it's already been 40 minutes so <laughs> it's a little bit longer oh than our well then episode. yeah let's wrap this up yeah so um, uh i guess do you have an idea where you would rank this film on your uh, uh ongoing i do have an idea and you know what aaron i'm gonna bring that right up as soon as my phone opens um but where would you rank it aaron <laughs> Wow, we were both so prepared for this because I was yeah. stalling. Okay, I got, okay, it. I got, I got my it. list. Oh, okay, well, you go oh. first. Okay, I ranked this film 15th out of 19 uh, oh. after Blazing Saddles before Attack the Block. Okay, <laughs> you're not going to um, be happy with my list. <laughs> I, I expected this to be at the bottom. So. Um, this is number 13. That's not the part you're going to be mad about. It's directly below Attack the Block. Directly above RoboCop. Oh. <laughs> why Why did you do this to me, Lacey? I'm sorry. This was just more fun than RoboCop. RoboCop I mean, I would have preferred fun. it to have been the, the end, like the bottom of the list, after Blade. Yeah, then I'd, was, I'd rather have that as long as it wasn't than above than RoboCop. But it's just a better movie than RoboCop. It, it is. I mean, hey, it's, no, that's fair. It's not objective. It's the truth. <laughs> I'm sorry. So next week, we will be talking about, about Memento. Because we got Dunkirk coming out, so we're going to go for a earlier work by Christopher Nolan. And it is streaming on Netflix, if you are interested in watching it. Aaron? Yes. This is the exact opposite of uh, Hellraiser. Because I feel like I know too much about this movie going in to the point where I'm not sure I'm going to super like it as much as I would have if I hadn't known a lot about it. But I'm still excited to check it out and see what it's all about. So It's definitely worth a watch. Mm -hmm. I can see how uh, knowing a lot about it would hinder the experience. But we'll, we'll <laughs> see what happens next week. Yeah, we got to so, get to it. If you want to find us around the web, you can find Lacey at Jake underscore Lace on Twitter. 
find out Jake Lace on Tumblr. He posted a review for Spider-Man Homecoming. That's out there. Um, go read that. I'm probably my favorite review that I've written so far. I'm really proud of that one. Check it out. Um, share it if you like it, and uh, or let me know what you think about it. Um, yeah. I have not read it yet yeah, because I have not seen, seen the movie. I've not seen Spider-Man. But uh, that's there as well as our collaborative series where we ranked all the Marvel movies. That is on both of our blogs. Go check that out as well. Mm-hmm. Only, uh, if only you want to find couple typos, it's all right, and only a couple sentences <laughs> I... that I wrote made no sense. <laughs> so you know, I consider that a bit of a, a bit of a win. There'll, there'll be probably a few edits between uh, here and there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but. Uh... If you want to find David around the web, you can find him at dbex15, dbex with two S's. That's on Twitter. Uh, if you want to find me around the web, you can find me at littleflamedude on Twitter. You can find me at this clever blog name. It's already taken.tumblr.com. The Marvel Rank Project is partially on there, as I mentioned, and hopefully a Spider-Man Homecoming review will be on there soon. I don't we'll want to say too much about Spider-Man. You're going to hear more about it on the, on the Thursday show, everyone. But, oh, g- goodness gracious, this is a good movie. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. And if you want to find the main podcast around the web, you can find us at Reboot Already On on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook. Give us a like for new episodes and other news items. Sure and check us out, out on SoundCloud and iTunes and leave us a review if you like what we say. Yeah. That's all, all I right. can say. So, uh, this has been another episode of Gateway to Cinema. Until next time, don't think it, don't say it. Bye-bye, man. And Bye-bye, man, too? Do you think uh, when they kill Bye-bye, man, do you think he'll say Jesus wept? I, I think so. I think that's what they're building up to is a Bye-bye, man, Hellraiser crossover. Oh my God, that'd be that's why they're taking so long to release this new Hellraiser movie is yeah. they're actually Some retroactively turning it into a Bye-bye, man, 2 script. They're like, we, we actually filmed this entire movie already, but what we're going to do now is we're just going to throw the bye-bye, man, into this. Okay, goodbye. <laughs>